0: Good morning to each one. Turn with me to First Peter chapter five. I'm going to be preaching out of the book of First Peter again. Uh, I've been preaching out of that book for the last little while, except I had a separate sermon over Christmas there, close to Christmas. First <clears throat> Peter chapter five. I'm going to be reading the first four verses. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. I was tempted to take most of this chapter and make a sermon, and and the sermon very quickly just just stayed with verses one through four. So, this is an exhortation to elders. So, before you all check out and think it's just for me and Vern, there's several reasons why you should listen. Um, one, it is it is it is for the elders, and the elders are the church leaders. That's what the word elders is often used as church leaders, but It's also important that you listen, so that you understand the function of the church elders. That what what we're going to look at today is the function of the church leadership, and so it's an encouragement to us to do our leadership well. But it's also you should know why we do some of the things we do, and it's I think drawn directly out of this. The third reason is that we hope to have an ordination in 2025, and some of you, one of you, could be ordained. So you might should know. Um, why, again, some of the functions of the church leadership. I was, well, let me put it this way. Um, A couple weeks ago, us ministers had a long meeting. It was long. We didn't get out of there until, we went, we were there from 6.30 till 2.30. And the majority of that meeting was spent talking about vision. We had decided we're going to sit down and hammer out our church vision. Well, it wasn't we weren't there very long and we decided well before we hammer out a church vision we really should hammer out a minister's vision. What is our vision as ministers? And so we talked about that for probably 5 hours just just round and round and and so there's something about having a vision for the church. It's another thing to put it in shoe leather and put it in, kind of put it in a statement where you're like, "Okay, this is what we're about. This is what we are doing." And so we kind of came down. We kind of focused on, you know, the ministers are to are to equip the saints, and and that's out of Ephesians. And um, I I uh, I enjoyed the meeting. It was, but I was I was getting tired. And um, Vern and Dathan were really excited about it. And I, yeah, that was fine. But I wasn't that. Yeah, that's that's fine. Equipping the saints, that's good. And I I think I was just done. Anyway, um, studying for this message has just, I don't know, lit a fire under me somehow of what the ministry is for. What's fascinating is Vern and Nathan and I are all three different people with all three different mindsets, and yet we are to focus on the same vision, and yet we are going to approach the same vision in a little different way. Vision, uh, vision is more Vern. Vern is more visionary. He he thinks a lot about vision and and looking out there. I think whenever he, you know, whatever it might be, I think he thinks a lot about what a person can become and what the church can become. Dathan is a prophet more, and so he might quicker see dangers that could come and things that are are coming towards the church that might not be good. And I probably have a little bit more of the gift of mercy, where I, I think more about caring for the flock a little bit more. I think we all care, but I might focus a little bit more down that line, but we're all focusing on helping the saints. And it just, I don't know why, um, this just clarified for me in studying for this message about what my vision kind of is for our church, for me as a minister in our church, and um, it just helped clarify the functions of, of the ministry. The title of the message is Humble Shepherding. And then as a subtitle, the function of church leadership, humble shepherding. As I said before, the elders are church leaders, church leaders. And Peter says he is also an elder and he is encouraging the elders. So verse two, actually, before I get there, sorry. Um, Why do we need church leadership? Why, why, um, why don't. You know, when Paul was, was starting churches in the New Testament and, and there were believers, why didn't he just say, look, just obey God's word, follow the Bible, and you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Why didn't he, what, what is it that, why do we need leadership at all? Not just in church, but just anywhere. Why is leadership needed? I'm looking for an answer. Why do we need guidance? So everybody don't go different directions. And why would we do that? <laughs> <Different nature. laughs> Anyone else? That's good. That's good. Kind of on the same lines, but I guess it's all about sheep needing a shepherd. Without a leader, there's not. It's really ha- hard to have a group that's unified a little embarrassing that we are compared to sheep in the Bible. God's people are compared to sheep. (laughs) It could be worse. You're right. It it was fascinating to me, as, as independent as our society is today, they are still followers. Everybody follows something. Adam and Eve followed something. They followed the devil. Everybody is following something, and as sheep, in, in the instance of sheep, if one sheep takes off, the rest of them will follow it, right over a cliff even. It's, it's, and so there is, in, in, inside of us, I think we are all followers to a certain degree, even if sometimes there's maybe some that seem more of a natural leader, or there's some that say, I'm not going to follow, I'm going to do my own thing. They're still following maybe the, the, what culture tells them to do, or, or things like that. They're still followers, and so, like uh, Fred said, if we are left to ourselves, it's, it's, uh, we're just going to go each our own way, and that's how God actually sometimes described the children of Israel. They are as sheep without a shepherd, scattered on the hillsides, so we need church leadership. We need leadership in general, but today it's about church leadership. We need it. We all need church leadership. And God sometimes ordains people, or will ordain people, to be in church leadership. And I found it interesting, in Acts 14, 21-23, it says this about Paul. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra, and to Iconium, and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples, and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church... And had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. They ordained elders in every church. I find that just, we need it. We need church leadership. So what is the role of an elder? And we have it here in verse 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Feed the flock which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. The word feed there has to do with tending sheep. It, it literally means a herdsman or someone who um, takes care of a flock. And, and, and so elders or church leaders are to be shepherds. They are to be shepherds. And what is a shepherd? I have several points here of what a shepherd is or a good shepherd is. The first one is he leads the sheep. He does not drive them leads the sheep, does not drive them. Sheep are, uh, I I think, if you try to drive them, they're going to go every which way. This is literally um, actual sheep. And people are a little bit that same way. If you try to drive them, you will eventually scatter them. And a shepherd instead, he gets to know his sheep, his sheep get to know him, and he goes in front of them and calls them. And this is what the church leadership is to do. They are to go before their, their, their flock, and, and they should know their flock well, and the flock should know them. There should be a mutual trust between them, um, between the flock and the shepherd, and they should, and they should be able to, to follow the church leaders. There should be a trust there, and, so, and, the, and the church leaders themselves, they, it is not about driving them, it is about leading them, going in front of them. They should be the ones going out ahead. That is what a shepherd does. A shepherd also feeds and nurtures them. Feeding and nurturing, that would be preaching, um, biblical doctrine, teaching them biblical doctrine. It would also be, you know, just all kinds of discipleship. I think of instruction class before baptism. There's all kinds of ways that I believe the ministers or the church leaders are to feed. They are to feed and nurture the flock. They are to protect them. They are to watch for the wolf that is coming. Watch for the wolf that is coming. They are to seek the ones who are gone astray or who are going astray. They help train the lambs that are feeling a little bit rebellious or rambunctious and and wanting to to get out of the flock. They'll go after the ones that have went astray. And I, Jesus, it says that... um, he is like the man who, who loses, you know, he has 99 sheep, he loses one. He leaves the 99 there and he goes after the one. He is willing to go after the one. He cares about his sheep. And the, the shepherds of a church, of a flock, should care about their sheep. And then last, he trains the flock to stay together. And I think of this in unity in a church a flock is much more able to withstand danger if they stay together. And I I, I don't know much about shepherding, but I think sometimes if a wolf would come, the shepherd would go after the wolf and the sheep stay in a bunch over here waiting till the shepherd is through getting rid of the wolf. And that is, I I picture that as, you know, if, if danger comes or if hard times fall on a church. The more together a church is, the more they are trained to be together, the better off they can withstand the difficulty or hardship, whatever it might be. Train the flock to stay together. Sheep are in danger when they are scattered. I was, I was kind of, I'm not going to read these scriptures today for sake of time, but in uh, Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah and in the book of Ezekiel, God condemns the shepherds because they have scattered his sheep. They have scattered his sheep, which would be the children of Israel sheep that are scattered are da- are in severe danger cuz they cannot run from a wolf elders or pastor shepherds I'm going to say pastor shepherds sometimes cuz a pastor elder is to be a shepherd so the first part here it says the elders are to be shepherds but then it says taking the oversight thereof and I I look at this a little bit like the word oversight is kind of a summary of what the job of a shepherd is. I'd like to know what you think of when you think of someone that has, takes oversight. What is that? What does that look like? Making sure the end goal is being okay, making sure the end goal is being accomplished. What else? keeping everybody together, okay. So I I looked at the word oversight often. If you would ask asked me what oversight means, I would have looked at it like it's kind of like a manager, you know, someone who is above operations and, and makes sure you're doing what's right, and you're doing what's right, and make sure you're following your job. And he's just kind of Overseeing everything, you know, making sure everything's going right. That might be a little part of an overseer, but the word overseer or oversight or overseer here in First in Peter means to look at, to inspect, to look after, to oversee, to care for. I don't know where your mind goes with that. But where my mind went with that is that our role as church leaders is to look at the flock. Not, okay, there is a part of that where you, you do correct those who are, are going astray. But not in the sense of making sure everybody's doing what's right, but it is to care for the sheep. You know, this, this one lost its mama, so we got to take care of that one. This one broke its leg, so we need to take care of that one. This one's really struggling, we need to take care of that one. The job of a church leader is to look at his flock, to see it, to, to just in, to inspect it. Not a, I mean, some of that is, is to, to make sure they are following the straight and narrow, but it's also to, to care for them, to build that relationship with them, to oversee them in the sense of looking at them. And that just changed my mindset completely that as a, as a church leader, I am to look at my flock, to look at the church, and see how I can care for them. What needs, are needy, what, what needs do they have that I can care for them? What do I need to do to help, um, help them grow? Look at the flock. And that's what a shepherd does. You know, a shepherd, he, he, he watches over his sheep. And he protects them. He, he feeds them. He takes them to still waters. He takes them to the green pastures. He is watching over his flock. It doesn't say anything about where the shepherd goes out and tries to get more sheep into his flock. It says he watches over his flock. And that same concept, I think, goes in with church leadership. They are to watch over their flock. Pastors are to focus on the flock in order to care for the flock. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-three says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. A good shepherd watches over his flock. And gets to know them, and they get to know him. And there is this, this mutual trust that they follow him when he, when he leads them and calls them. Taking oversight also means seeing the wolf coming. When you're looking at your flock and you're caring for them and you, you, you uh, see the needs that are there, you will also see when danger is coming. You will also see when danger is coming and realize that for the benefit of my flock, I need to help take care of this danger Church leaders need to be aware of the dangers that could take over or attack the flock. I found this interesting. I have a study Bible on my computer, and it said this in, in there. The tasks of a Near Eastern shepherd were to watch for enemies trying to attack the sheep, to defend the sheep from attackers, to heal the wounded and sick sheep, to find and save lost or trapped sheep. And then I love this part here, to love them sharing their lives, and so earning their trust. And I think that's what a shepherd did. He just shared life with them. He was out there in the fields with them every day. And they, they just kind of got that mutual trust with each other. So that's the role, the function of a shepherd to be, or, or of a pastor, to be a shepherd and to lead and to have oversight the word oversight means to look at and to, to look at in the sense of how we can care for my flock and help them be the best flock they can be. How do I care for my church and help them be the best church, the best you can be? We need to look at the flock and inspect it and, and see what the needs are and what the, what they, how we can better feed them and help them. And then there's a few things, a few ways that pastors are supposed to go about this. In verse two, again, it says, "Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind." And what I, what I, from the first part there, "not by constraint" means not, not compelling them. You know, if if you guys always had to say, "Come on, Robbie, you got to get up and preach," and I'm always like, oh. or you got to take care of, you know, you got to take care of this, you know, and I just don't ever want to take the role seriously. That's a problem. You are to take it willingly of a ready mind, being willing to take, yeah, I don't think any of us are looking to become ordained. But if you are ordained, to be willing to take that role seriously and to grasp it and, and take a hold of it and do it to the best that you can. And the same thing with the filthy lucre. That means has to do with money or, or, or wealth. That we are not to do it to, to gain a lot of, um, I realize we do not, you all have, we have offerings, of course, and, and you all are very generous, but we don't have salaried pastors. But I think there can be the temptation to do it for for that wealth, that gain. Um, I think some pastors get paid very well sometimes. Um, but even more than that, I think as ministers, we should not be doing it for even greatness, to not do it for, for fame, or, and it's, you know, it's tempting, it's tempting to want to, to, to preach well so that, you know, people talk, you know, oh, I, I, they, they get that, that, kind of that glory of being a good speaker or, or maybe, you know, being a great leader, you know, you, you talk about, and, and you want that. that. I think that's within us to want to be great. But that's not what our motive should be. Our motive should be humble to, to lead, to be willing to lead by example and to just do it out of a ready mind, not do it for my personal gain, but just to do it out of care for the flock. That is what we should how we should go about doing our role. And then in verse 3 it says neither be, as being lords over God's heritage but being examples or examples to the flock. Pastor shepherds, pastors, elders, they are not to be dictators. They are not to be control freaks who are trying to control their sheep. They are to be examples to the sheep. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. This is Jesus teaching the disciples about um, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I know it's a familiar passage, but I think it is a very important passage. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us, us that we may sit, one on thy right hand, and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what you ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized withal shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And here's where the problem starts, or here's where the uh, issues start with the rest of them. And when the ten heard of it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and said unto him, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship. And that word lordship has to do with control and, and domineering and, and, and putting people under by force. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man, the Son of God, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Pastors, elders, shepherds, they are not to be dictators of the flock. They are to be examples. And I was, I, I'm still kind of wrapping my ra- mind around, I, I love words, if you haven't noticed. I love taking words and finding the definitions of them and and seeing. And, and sometimes it just opens my eyes to a new way of thinking about it. But that word ensample, or ex- I think it means example as well. But it has to do with a die, or or like a a pattern. So kind of like a mold. Um. Sometimes you have these these molds that you put wet sand in and you pack it in there, and then you take it back out, and it, it's shaped like something. And and that's kind of what it what it has to do. It, it, it has to do with being molded into a certain shape. That's what this word and or example means. And I started thinking about that. And uh, it's no joke that, that leadership can just be hard work sometimes. And I don't mean this to say that you all are a big problem because you're not, but leadership can be hard work. And, I have heard of many p- times where you know, churches have went through splits and splinters and their ministers have just been thrown under the bus. And there's been some ministers who have made horrible decisions and horrible choices. That don't, we're human as much as, as you are. But, but leadership can be hard work. Um, sometimes the leadership can get blamed. Sometimes they can have the proverbial rocks thrown at them. And I'm not trying to say this as a victim or anything but there is and I think God uses that sometimes to mold the leadership. Jesus had the same thing happen to him. Sometimes he might be using some things in your life right now to mold you for when you're going to be in leadership. That's that's what it has to it of course I think we are to live our lives as examples for you to follow but it also has to do with being molded into something and I think it's to be molded into more like more Christ likeness that just that just helped me to think about that a little bit more you know pastors should be servants i don't i don't think i don't know servant you, you hear the term servant leadership a lot and and what i'm and i i'm kind of running ahead of myself now but but that's what this all is talking about you know oversight over the flock caring for the flock feeding them that all has to do with serving it's all about serving your flock and serving, serving is hard work. It's, it's not easy, but pastors should be the first to serve their flock, to serve their needs. And sometimes there's, there's stuff that can happen when you do that. Um, there's wounds that you can encounter, or, or there's humili- sometimes it's humiliating. Or, or, and just having that, being willing to be humbled and endure the marks, the wounds, and the humility of serving others, I think this shapes us. Into the more Christ likeness. The Lord, the Lord, a person who lords it over, he's, he rules by control. A pastor, shepherd, stoops to serve. The Lord is a, a Lord, again, a small L, a Lord lords it over people from above. A pastor stoops to serve. A shepherd, one who truly has a shepherd's heart, stoops to serve. This next point, I, um, I know this can maybe be a little bit, uh, not controversial, but you might. Um, too often, I think, we look at church in two different ways. Either it's a church that's really focused inward, or it's a church that's really focused outward, that really, you know, goes out and gets people in and all that. And there are some pastors who are more uh, mission-minded, more evangelistic, and then there's others that are more, you know, focused on the flock. So how should this be? How should this be? In studying for this and in us ministers talking a lot about just the ministry and our our role as ministers, I'm going to say, and, and if you disagree with me, I don't mind if you talk to me afterwards. I would love to talk to you, but I really feel, I wholeheartedly believe that a minister's role is to look at their flock. It doesn't mean a minister can't ever go onto the mission field. It doesn't mean he can't ever go and, um, you know, be involved in some for ministry outside of the church. But his primary responsibility is to have oversight over his flock, to look at his flock and to care for the needs of his flock. And I, when I just look at the various instructions for pastors in the book of First and Second Timothy and Titus, um, even in the uh, book of Acts, you have some of that. It's always, they, they follow, they, they watch their flock, I, I personally feel like if a, if a pastor is too involved in outreach, he can't see the needs of his flock near as easily. You know, if he's so involved in reaching the lost, he's, he's going to miss the ones who are struggling in his church. So who is supposed to reach the lost? Who, how is, and maybe I'm deciphering it too much here, or making too big of a distinction here, um, but I want to make a point, and I think that's your job. I believe the church is the one to go out and be the, minister, to be the light to the world. And the pastors, the elders, are to help the church be as healthy and vibrant as can be so that you can go out and do the work of ministry. Again, doesn't mean that I, uh, my wife and I actually are, would, would sometimes love to maybe, depending on it, go on the mission field, depending what it would be. Um, I, I, I dream of that sometimes. It doesn't mean that can't ever happen, but my primary responsibility right now is, by, is this church and helping this church be the best that it can be, as vibrant as it can be. And if it ever sees fit where we have enough leadership that we can put someone out on the mission field, great. But right now, my role is here. Vern's role is here. Dathan's role is here. Again, Dathan has some ministry outside of the church. I don't think it's too much. I think it's fine. We have enough to go around. But our primary role is to focus on our church, to help it be as best as it can be, so that you guys you all can go out and do your, your clubs. You can go and do your, the various things you need to do because you need a support place here where you can get recharged so you can go out again. I just, I, I don't know, I get, I get uh, now, now I'm getting excited after the meeting. <laughs> I, I had to think about, um, you know, when mission fields call for a, a person to go on the mission field, they, they often call the ministers first. Did you know that? We've gotten calls. I'm not sure if I ever have or not, but I know Vern has, I think Dathan has, about a particular person. What do you think about this person to go on the mission field? Did you know that? What do you think we're going to say? Well, we're going to be honest for one. And it doesn't mean that a person can't ever be struggling or anything like that, but they want people who are healthy, they want people who are grounded. Who are firm as much as again we're all growing. It's not that you can't ever have struggles. And so they they want people who 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 have a vibrant church that is going to support them. And so if we're all three out doing other things all the time, we can't help this church be a vibrant church. I don't feel like this is a problem. I just I'm just saying what I think our role is here as a ministry, as ministers in our church. And if we can help better your lives, help you grow, help you become more grounded, then you can be asked to go on the mission field. You can, be asked, you can go out and do things that help bring the lost in. I was going to ask my wife and I forgot, but I think Chris used to tell Leon, you bring him in and I'll preach to him. Is that how that was? I've heard that before. Leon wasn't a pastor. Chris was. Not that, and I think Chris did a lot of reaching out, but again, I think he had that distinction. Another point here that I want to make is that pastors, shepherds, they are going to answer to the chief shepherd. And again, studying for this just helped me kind of realize the gravity, the burden, the weight of the role of a pastor. And it's that 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 verse here, verse four, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. That that is for a, a shepherd. Who has done well leading his sheep. But I think for us as church leaders, we need to realize that we are, we have been given an authority. Shepherds, pastor shepherds, elders, they are given an authority by God to lead his congregation, his his people, his church. Jesus came down, he led his church for a time, and then he went back to heaven. And he, I I believe every time an, an elder is ordained in a church, they are given that responsibility, that authority to, to lead God's people. It says not being, earlier I didn't, re- I forgot to read over this part, neither as being lords over God's heritage. God's heritage, that's like, that's like God's, that's part of, we are God, all of us are part of Christ's body. That's like a part of, that's very intimate part, it's your own, part of your own body, and we are supposed to take leadership over that. That's a big responsibility. And again, I'm not trying to say this, that you know somehow we're, be- that's not, that we're better or something like that. But that's just when, when a person, I believe, is ordained to the ministry in a church, that is a responsibility they are given. And I remember Ernie telling me when I was ordained, he said, he said after a while, you'll feel this weight just settle on, on you. And um, for a while, preaching was the biggest weight. I struggled to get up here and preach. But nowadays, if it was just preaching... That'd be kind of pretty easy. Again, not that I feel like our church is a problem, but working with people is just hard work. People work is hard work. And leadership is hard work. And trying to decide the path forward is hard work. And sometimes, oh, if it would just be preaching and I could go home and forget everything else, that'd be great. I think we as ministers need to remember The authority we have been given is over God's church, not my church. This isn't my church in that it's my sheep. Yes, we do say my church, but I think we mean it differently than what that sounded like. But it is actually God's church, and I think it's the same way for fathers over your children. You are fathers of God's children. God has given you your children, and there is a responsibility that you all have as well. There's an authority given to you by God as fathers of your children. And I believe when when God gives an authority like that, that person is held a little bit more accountable than some others. And what I mean by that is everybody in the end makes their own decisions. Everybody is held accountable for their own decisions. Don't get me wrong. But I believe if if Christ comes back and he finds his sheep scattered, I think he's going to first go talk to the shepherds. And I think we need to keep that in our minds as ministers, the gravity, the weight, the fact that God is, and and we don't do it of our own accord. I don't mean this to sound like we do it all of ourselves because God's, I think if we have that mindset of being willing to serve our sheep and build that relationship, God will give us the strength to do that. But we need to remember the authority that he has given us is over his flock. It's not my flock, it's his flock. And it is a grave responsibility. He, when Christ returns, he wants his church to be ready and waiting for him. I just want to briefly touch on this authority thing a little bit more. I, I used to think, you know, authority and humility are two different things. You either have humility or you have authority. But actually, the best authority is administered with humility. I don't think they're opposites at all. I think they are, they are, they're supposed to fit together as one you know, sometimes, and I'll, I'll I, I am one who can quickly probably become passive sometimes if I'm not careful. And there's been times where I have, you know, with my family been like, okay, I'm the authority here, I'm the father, I need to set some, things straight here. And I will set it, try to set it straight. Who am I actually serving there? I am serving myself. I'm feeling like I, I'm, I'm an authority, so I need to feel like an authority, and so I'm going to set some rules here. Now, it doesn't mean that rules never should be set, but am I, actually, am I actually doing this for their benefit or for my benefit? I think we need to, as ministers, have to remember that our authority needs to be administered with humility. With humility. I believe the only way pastors can gain the trust of their members, their congregation, their churches... Is through serving them with humility. Jesus set the greatest example for us in how to serve with humility. And I was going to read it, but I'm not going to. It's John chapter 13. Does anybody know what that scripture is? John chapter 13. It's the feet washing passage. And there's a I'm actually going to turn to there's one little point part I want to read out of it. Jesus. They were having their, their supper, their last supper. And then Jesus went and got a towel. And he went and washed all the disciples' feet. And then he says this. If I can find it here. Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, your Lord and Master. He is, he is, he is God's Son. Your Lord and Master, if I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. I believe, as, I believe Jesus is the greatest example of a pastor-shepherd. And I think his example here is the greatest example we can follow of serving our congregation through washing their feet. Again, it's not just figuratively, but it is in a physical way of how we can help our people. Washing people's feet. I think we should be the first to be willing to go wash, stoop down and wash the feet of, our, of the, in the needs that we have in our church. A Lord, small l, will never stoop down to do that, but a, a shepherd heart will. And God uses that, I think, to help us become more like him. It takes humility to serve and care for people. And as, as pastors, we are to have that. We are to show that, exemplify that. I think two ways that pastors can have humility with authority is one, realizing their authority is from God and it is God's church, not ours, God's flock. And then it's also truly caring for them by washing their feet. Truly caring for them by washing their feet. Our role as church leaders is to humbly shepherd the church by serving them so that the church can reach out to the lost and be ready for the Lord when he returns. Let's kneel for prayer. God, I thank you for this time here. Thank you for each one that is here today. And God, I thank you for the instructions that we have here in 1 Peter for the elders. And uh, Lord, it's just the example we have in, from you, from Christ, in how we are to lead and how we are to serve with humility and have a shepherd heart. And God, help us, help Dathan, Vern, and I to serve, to lead well, to care for, to inspect and look at the flock so that we can better care for them. I just pray that you would guide us and give us wisdom. And thank you for each one, the support that we have from the flock here, from our church here, Thank you for the blessing that they are and the way they reach out into the community. And I pray that you would help us to grow and flourish as a church, that we would be able to reach out to the lost, but that we would also be ready and waiting for you when you return. Just commit the rest of this afternoon and time to you. Be with those who are gone um, today. Just pray that you would watch over them and protect them wherever they are. In Jesus' name, amen.